before we get this episode started, we need to thank our wonderful sponsors. That are sponsors, especially our three annual sponsors, David Carell of Universal Creative Concepts, Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity, and Campbell University Divinity School. This podcast wouldn't happen. So here's where you come in. Take a few minutes to go to each of their websites and check what they have to offer. Or if you really want to take it to the next level, be sure to tweet about this episode and thank our sponsors. This podcast is presented to you by the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University. The School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University exists to prepare men and women for Christian ministry, namely the work of the Lord's Church. Our two degrees, the Master of Divinity and the Doctor of Ministry, are carefully designed to equip and encourage ministers for the calling that God has placed on their lives. The Master of Divinity offers six concentrations, and the Doctor of Ministry can be obtained in either Christian ministries or pastoral care and counseling. Should God have called you to any number of ministry vocations, or if you aren't quite sure which one yet, you will find a place here at Gardner-Webb where, as one of our former deans once said, your heart and your head can be friends. For more information on the Divinity School and upcoming events, visit gardner-webb.edu backslash divinity. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work and renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. This is Andy Hale. Well, before we get to our conversation, we want to make you aware of the next couple of episodes, including interviews from this summer's General Assembly with theologians, church historians, and various denominational leaders from around the country. We also have an interview coming up with Michael Ware, who was the faith advisor to Barack Obama during his final term as president. And now, on to our conversation. All right, you ready? Yes. (laughs) You didn't seem very certain about that. <laughs> yes, for sure. All right. I am ready. Our guest for this week's podcast is the executive director of A Place at a Table, Maggie King. Thank you for joining the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to to be here. Now, uh, I'm familiar with your story, but uh, probably a good bit of our audience isn't. So, tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, my name is Maggie Kane. And like Andy said, I'm the executive director of A Place at the Table. Uh, I grew up in Raleigh 27 years ago and, and grew up Presbyterian. So I have nothing against you guys, but grew up Presbyterian. I went to college at NC State in international relations and Italian studies. Thought I wanted to travel the world. Thought I wanted to work for an MC or potentially even even do some mission work somewhere. And I grew up volunteering a lot. I grew up going on on different trips in in different uh, mission fields and and thought that's what I wanted to do. I after college I started working for a nonprofit with people on the margins and experiencing homelessness and and fell in love with those people. So I I knew that my future career was going to be in in the nonprofit world from there. I, I like I said, I stayed at NC State and graduated and uh, have, have been in Raleigh ever since. Uh, you have this deep care for, for others and there's this, um, there's this great sense of, of compassion and hospitality that, that comes for those that uh, dedicate their life to caring for those on the margin. So for you, 
as you started experiencing that type of, of work, uh, tell us what yeah. you were sensing God was calling you to in all this. Sure. Uh, so like I said, I, I went to school for international relations, Italian, and, and I was, I was doing business as well. And I, I knew something just didn't fit. I, I grew up volunteering, like I said, and, and I loved it. Every, every part of me loved loving on people and being a part of different communities and different, different and meeting different people. I, I found this nonprofit uh, working with people experiencing homelessness and poverty uh, called Love Wind Ministries, as many, many probably have heard of if, if they're from Raleigh. Um, we saw anywhere from 50 to 100 people every day coming in and getting coffee or, or just needing a place to be for a few hours. And I, I found that I was falling in love with, with many folks I was meeting. I, I would sit for hours and, and talk to people and get to know them and hear their stories. And, and I realized the importance in that. I realized that, that I was good at it, that I wanted to know. I, was, I, I not only was good at it, but I was, I was curious. I, I had this love for people that, that changed my life. Um, I felt the love right back. And I realized that that's, that's the importance in, in life. Um, you can you can do nothing without community, without friendships, without people in your life who care about you, and then people in your life that you care about. Um, the the key to to everything is that idea of community. We all need it. We all search for it. We all search for relationships, um, and some of us are more lucky to have it than more lucky to find it quicker than others. And so I, when I was working with this with this day shelter, when I was working with Love Wins, I. I just realized that, you know, people were, were able to sit down with me for hours and people were, were open to me. They, they opened up to their life stories. And I, I knew that that's where God wanted me to be. I, I, like I said, I was going to move away and, and I think God had other plans for me. And, and that's my whole life changed from, from working there and getting to know these people. When I, when I realized that, for the rest of my life, I, I want to dedicate it to loving people and making making people feel as important and valued as, as they are and, and as they should feel. Let's go back to this idea of community. For you, what is community in its most basic form? So community for me is something that I get to experience every day and, and not a lot of people do. Uh, I have 100 friends, 100 people, uh, including family members, people I work with, people I've met that I care so deeply about and who care so deeply about me. Um, community feeling supported. It's feeling loved. It's feeling like you are a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And I have been incredibly fortunate to feel that my whole entire life. And not many people have. Um, you know, I grew up around a really supportive um, mother and sister and brother, and I felt loved my whole life. I, I always had friends. I, I had a working environment. I had sports teams, and I felt supported. Uh, you know, I, I've had moments in my life, as well as I think everyone has, where you haven't felt as supported, and that is hard. Uh, when you have people that support you and love you, life is completely different. 
you feel empowered. You feel like you can, you can do anything. You feel that life is worth being a part of. Again, you feel like there's something bigger than just yourself when you're, when you're a part of a community. And so I, you know, there, there's a ton of value in that because that's what life's about. If you don't have community, if you don't have people around you to support you or for you to support them, then what are you doing? What, how is life good? How is life beautiful? How it, how is life authentic and real? Um, so for me, it, it, it's the most important thing that I do. And, and the most important thing that I strive to create for everyone every single day. Peter Block um, wrote a book called Community, The Structure of Belonging. It's been one of the most formational books for me in the last decade. Um, and he writes, community is the container within which our longing to be is fulfilled. Without connectedness of community, we will continue to choose not to be. And it goes on to argue mm-hmm. that the most basic definition of community is uh, a sense of belonging and a sense of ownership. Yeah. So. In a sense, um, I can be who I am, um, warts and all, um, but it's a safe space for me, but also a sense of belonging that um, turns into a sense of ownership that I can use my giftedness and strengths and passions to bring um, some piece to the puzzle that that adds to what this community um, really is. So you, you spoke about, you use the word real and Love authentic. You know, for you, what are the challenging aspects of real and authentic community? Ooh, good question. Have not thought about this before, um, but I love that. I, I think that it, it's community. It's hard work. It, it's hard to create real and authentic relationships. It, it takes work. It takes spending time with people. It takes sitting down for hours and, and finding out the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. It's, it's, it can be messy, it can, but at the same time, it, it truly is beautiful. I tell my staff all the time, uh, our, our place is a beautiful, chaotic mess because it's, it's a community and that's just what it is. It's real, it's authentic, it's organic. Um, you don't know what you're going to get one day and you don't know what you're going to get the other day. But in the, at the end of the day, it's beautiful. And people have, have built strong relationships and, and people love each other and care about each other. And, and that's what makes it real is at the end of the day, you're, I mean, you've got people to support you and people who are in your corner rooting you on. And so for me, I think, you know, there are a lot of situations in life where um, you may not be able to be yourself. But when you, when you have a strong, supportive community, you should be nothing but yourself. A tremendous aspect of, of, of communities, as you were talking about, that, that sense of belonging, sense of being self, which really comes down to hospitality. Community requires uh, a great deal of hospitality. Um, in the rule of St. Benedict, um, there's a quote that says, hospitality is the way we come out of ourselves. It is the first step towards dismantling the barriers of the world Hospitality is the way we turn our prejudice world around one heart at a time. Um, we, we live in um, a day and age of walls and barriers. Um, mm-hmm. so, so for you, how have you expen- experienced um, the way that hospitality really tears down those walls and barriers? 
So hospitality, when I was working at Love Wins Ministries, we had amazing people coming through those doors every day. And, and when they'd come in, we'd offer them a cup of coffee. We'd offer them a place to just be for a little bit. Uh, and, and you would immediately see them relax. You'd see them feel, you could see their, their presence uh, wind down and feel like, okay, well, I am welcome here. Um, this is a place that I can be. Uh, I think when you are, when you're poor, uh, or when you do not have a ton of, of places where you think you can go, uh, you get told no a lot. You get turned down. You get, you get passed off a lot. And so I think people living in poverty or people who are just different than what people would say is, is an average society um, or, or people who are part of an average society or people who who may have means and can pretty much go anywhere they want. Um, like it, you get told no a lot, and I think those walls get put up. And and so what I have noticed is is once you you welcome someone in, no matter who, those walls break down. Um, they start to day by day. You know, one day someone might someone might not have many answers for you and may not answer your questions, but the next day you ask another question, and then the next day you ask another question, and you prove that. You are worthy of being trusted, of, of um, being a part of their life. And so for me, that's what I've been able to do. I, I slowly but surely over the past, I think it's been about eight years now, I have been, been incredibly fortunate to meet a ton of people in Raleigh, no matter where it was, whether it be at the bus station or whether it be uh, at OKD Outreach Center, which is a food distribution center here in Raleigh, or whether it be at Love Wins or whether it be... Um, at the mall, I, I've been um, slowly able to break down some walls that exist between people. I think people in our society are, are, are so separated. We tend to hang out with people who are very much like ourselves and, 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 and myself included. Um, but, you know, I think in, in my life, I, I try really hard to, to not do that. I try really hard to, to, Meet, the na- meet my neighbor, meet the stranger, and, and break down those walls. We need to pause to tell you about one of our presenting sponsors, Campbell University Divinity School. Since its founding more than 20 years ago, Campbell University Divinity School has been guided by a unique six-word mission statement, Christ-centered, Bible-based, ministry-focused. That mission statement captures our distinct integration of academic rigor, spiritual formation, and practical application. It lays the foundation for an unusual strong sense of community among a very diverse student body, drawn from many different denominations, ethnic backgrounds, age groups, along with the faculty and staff. It expresses the deep, shared commitment to our faith and willingness to engage with different points of view that characterize everything we do. We do not seek simply to inform students, Rather, we invite them to journey into transformation, challenging them and equipping them to develop their own understanding of what it means to be Christ-centered, Bible-based, and ministry-focused. We invite you to learn more about us. Check out our degrees, concentrations, and programs. Come to one of our continuing education lectures, to Visitation Day, or to one of our regional recruiting events. Contact us to schedule an individual visit. Call one of our faculty to lead a retreat or Bible study or to wrestle with difficult issues. You can reach us online at divinity.campbell.edu. We look forward to hearing from you. The challenging aspect of, of community is um, how do you create it? How do you be part of it? Um, you know, so wrestling with these things over the last couple of years as we 
started a church and are now in a new context of uh, where there's an established congregation, but trying to form new community is, you know, what does community require of us? Does it require time and effort, um, resources and presence? Um, what if authentic community involves collaborative ownership and engagement and responsibilities? These are uh, some of the questions that I've been wrestling with around how do you define and how do you achieve community? Um, mm-hmm. but on January 8th of uh, last, this year, a Place at a Table opened as a pay-what-you-can cafe at 300 West Hargett Street in downtown Raleigh. Um, you all proclaimed that you are welcoming and inviting space that provides an opportunity for all people to come and experience uh, conversation and community while enjoying excellent, fresh, and healthy food. Um, mm-hmm. Walk us through the story of how your experience with hospitality and community began to take shape in this new dream that would become a place at the table. Sure, yeah. I A few years ago, I was, like I said, working at Love Wins Ministries, and at that time, I was I was getting to know a lot of people and and breaking down those walls and and joining in community with with several different people. So what community means is doing what others do and doing it with them and being present. So I began to um, hang out with them outside of work. We we'd go to places like um, the soup kitchen or I take them to the food bank. And at these places, I realized that that it was such a separating place that yes, food banks and, and the soup kitchen is, is they're fantastic. They're needed. They meet that hunger need. Uh, But as, as we were there, I I realized, you know, we'd have to stand in line. We get handed a plate or food that we didn't necessarily get to pick. And then we have to eat in a few minutes and get out because someone else had to come in and eat and meeting the need. Yes. But not meeting the community and relationship aspect that I so strongly believed in with my, with my whole heart. And so I started taking people out for meals. It, it would be my friend John's birthday. And I'd say, where do you want to go? And we went to places like K&W Cafeteria. If you know the cap, if you know K&W Cafeteria, I'm sure there's one in every single city, but it's two different other letters like R and S or, you know, something like that. So everyone has one of these where there's an endless amount of choices and, and you've got great hospitable people who work there and who are bringing water to your table and, and bringing over bread and rolls. So we'd go to places like that or Golden Corral. And what I was noticing was at these places, people had a ton of choice. They could choose whatever they wanted. If one day they really felt like uh, waffles, they could get that. If one day they said, I haven't had greens in a couple days and wanted a salad, they could get that too. And I, and I saw how excited people were to choose what they wanted to eat. I also saw that we'd sit for hours and talk and, and build relationships. And it hit me that that's how you do it. I, every day in my life, I, if I chose, I could go out to eat or coffee or a drink with someone to get to know them, to ask them how they're, how they're doing, to hear their story. Um, and a lot of people in poverty don't get to do this. And so I realized the importance in that. We'd sit, we'd sit for hours and talk and share stories together. Um, they get to know me. I get to know them. And I realized that this, this is something that we need. We need a place where there can be other Maggie's 
who can get to know some of these amazing people that I was able to, to spend hours with every single day. Um, there needed to be a place that wasn't separating, a place where people could come together, could literally come to the table together um, and break bread together. I, I mean, it's so biblical. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure you preach this all the time. We were actually sitting down and breaking bread together and getting to know your neighbor. Um, and so I started researching, I started researching nonprofit restaurants, nonprofits, restaurants, all different ways and found this pay what you can system and found that there were over 60 of them across the country and went to the closest one in Boone, North Carolina, which many people have probably gone to farm cafe, feed all regardless of means right on King street. It's fantastic. Please go. They are some of the greatest friends and have the best food. Um, but saw that if it can work in Boone, it can definitely work in Raleigh. Came back and we started growing from there. We, we built a visionary team and built, you know, a board of directors and applied for nonprofit status and just walked through the steps. Um, so I'm proud to say three years and 10 months later, we are now open. And like I said, I've been open for 10 months and, and are, are almost 10 months and are successful. and. And it's amazing. A, a place at the table is a is a pay what you can nonprofit restaurant in downtown Raleigh, uh, right in the heart of downtown, where there are many things up and coming. We're, we're very fortunate to be where we are. And um, what pay what you can means is when you walk in, you envision something like a Panera or a um, Cafe Carolina or some other cute little cafe, and you see a menu, you see menu boards, and you see prices. Those are suggested prices. Some people pay that, some people pay more, some people pay less, and some people volunteer for their meal. Um, so you get to choose what option you want to do. We, we say that, that um, people can pay more through tipping. tipping. You tip most places you go, and tips are donations at a place at the table. Our staff make a living wage so they don't take tips. Um, you can pay less. Some weeks are just harder than others. You know, you, one week you, you may have gotten paid and you could pay off a couple bills. The next week, it's just tight. So you can come in and pay less. And if you can't pay less, you volunteer with us. We believe we're a hand up versus a hand out, and we want you to be a part of the community. Uh, again, like I said, community means that you're a part of something bigger. So at a place at the table, by volunteering with us, by paying less, by paying more, by paying the suggested price, you are a part of this, this real and authentic community that is coming together to make this cafe run. Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so almost 10 months later, we have been open and, and running like a champ. Well, let's, let's go back to that for just a second. You know, uh, let's talk about location. Um, for those that aren't familiar with one of the greatest cities on earth, one of which I spent 28 years of my life around, Raleigh is no longer this up-and-coming city. Raleigh is a hopping city of business and startups and breweries and unique restaurants and art and music and the like. You chose real estate in a place that's not cheap. You're two blocks away from the state capitol, a stroll from the convention center, and a stone's throw away from Raleigh's warehouse district, which holds some of the best restaurants and bars in town. So, so why this location? Yeah, uh, this location, well, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest with you, uh, we, <laughs> it's, 
it took us three years to find a landlord to actually believe in our idea, to, to invest in us and to say, yes, you can rent our space. You can be in our space. This is, this is something of value. This is something of worth. And we, we want to, to, you know, have this, this, a place at the table in our community. It took us a long time, but we did know, you know, we weren't looking for places that were in Wake Forest, which is a town connected to Raleigh. We were looking for places that were in the heart of it all because you need a good mix of people for these cafes to work. Um, in downtown Raleigh, we have people who are working downtown. So people who are, you know, walking around on foot and they're working downtown. We have people living downtown, whether it be in a, um, you know, $300,000 condo or a shelter or a food insecure, food desert area. Um, we also have people who are playing downtown. So you've got people who come down to, to eat, to, to go to cool museums, to go to different places around downtown. And like you said, Raleigh has become this really awesome place to live. So more and more people want to come downtown to be a part of the cool things that are happening. Um, and also it, it, it's a place where um, public transportation goes right through our bus station, our train station, all of our public transportation goes right through downtown. So we knew we needed to be there and be one stop off of the bus. Um, and it's just this good melting pot of different people, of different cultures, different demographics. We knew that, that downtown was where we could serve the most people, regardless of, of where you are on the spectrum. We, we could serve the most people there. Well, and you're not, I mean, you're not serving basic bland and cheap food. So let's talk about the menu. Breakfast and lunch with healthy, locally grown options. You'll have some of the best coffee in town. Uh, my particular favorites are the sun-dried tomato, basil, and goat cheese quiche, and the house salad that comes in both the vegan and the gluten-free options. So for you, why, why such dynamic food, not bland, basic, yeah. and cheap food? Well, first and foremost, we all deserve good, healthy food. It's what our bodies deserve. It's what we deserve. Everyone deserves that. We deserve to choose what we want, too. Um, so we, first, our, our, our menu is chef-prepared. We have a chef, and we have fantastic sous chefs that, that I, I take no credit for, for the food and the, choice, the choices we have on the menu. They did that. They built that. They are creative and different. Um, and so. So we, it's all chef prepared. Nothing is coming in frozen or, or, um, or already made. So we believe that's important because that's, again, we all need good home cooked meals like that. Um, it, everything is healthy. Um, not really. That's a lie. Not everything's healthy. You can come and get a waffle, but you know what the reason in that is, is because people get to choose. Some days you want a waffle. Some days, right now it's, it's raining in Raleigh. Some days you just want a waffle. Um, we also know that, that, like I said, the people deserve good food and there aren't a lot of great options for people who are food insecure, housing insecure, or experiencing poverty. So for us, for, for them to come in and get a home-cooked, chef-prepared, as local as possible, um, fresh and beautiful looking I mean again that's what we all that's what we all need in our lives that's what we all should be having um that's I mean that it that is just 
uh, to me, a no-brainer. Um, so that's the reason for that. Also, we know that the food has to be good for people to come back. No matter who you are, if the food's not good, you're not coming back. And so for us, it's important that, that we have good quality food where everyone can find something they want and everyone can hopefully enjoy what they end up getting, whether it be the Sundar tomato quiche, a salad, a waffle. Um, everyone can typically find something on the menu. We also want it to be really inclusive of everyone. So we do have a ton of gluten-free, a ton of vegan options. And, and you can kind of find what your dietary restriction is. We also wanted to support as local as possible. So we do have, our, our coffee is good. We won the best barista in the triangle, thank you. But our, our coffee's good, it's a local coffee company. It's five minutes down the street from us. We wanted to support them, not just because they were good, that was important, but because they're five minutes down the street from us. And we use a local chip company. We have local produce coming in. Um, most things we do, we're also trying to support our awesome neighbors who are doing equally as great of things that, that, that people think we are. So, so yeah, that, that's the reason behind it. Like I said, we have a great chef and he's actually from Baton Rouge, uh, great chef and, and great sous chef who, who get creative because people want to try different foods. People get excited about different foods um, and we see what people like and don't like and, and go from there. We have a, Board of Directors, we also have a community advisory board, and our community advisory board consists of people experiencing poverty or have experienced poverty in some sort of way, and they are ears and eyes into what the community needs. So when they said, we need to put a healthy version of biscuits and gravy on the menu, we did it, and it is one of our top sellers all across the board, and you know, it's not, unfortunately, it's not, well, uh, not unfortunately, Unfortunately for some people, it's not Bojangles biscuits and gravy, but it is house-made biscuits and a healthier version of gravy, and it, it's delicious. So, you know, we, we listen to people who know, who are better experts than we are, but our whole menu is, is designed to be um, constantly changing with what we can get seasonally as well as constantly evolving when, when more and more people um, give us more suggestions of things that we're, we're not thinking of. So it really, it really is a, a community menu. Well, as of, of September, um, so nearly 10 months into this venture, um, you've given away uh, 5,159 meals, served 27,660 mm -hmm. meals, had 17,736 meals paid forward, which equals roughly $92,000, and had over 8,000 volunteer hours. Um, I would say that's successful. We'll get to this. <laughs> crazy success. to think about. <laughs> Maybe what, what's been the biggest challenge of, of this venture? Biggest challenge? Whew. Um, you know what? You're, you're right. It, from what you first said, it has been incredibly successful. Better, better and better than I thought was possible. Uh, the biggest challenge, though, has probably just honestly figuring out how it all works. How do volunteers work with staff? How do, um, how do we make food come out more efficiently? All the stuff behind a restaurant and a nonprofit. You know, people think, oh, they're just this restaurant. They run like any other restaurant. 
No, we're a restaurant that's also a nonprofit. So we have the challenges of a restaurant, and then we have the challenges of a nonprofit. So we have uh, eight paid staff that are restaurant employees, and they have done an incredible job figuring out how a place to table runs. They are not clocking in and clocking out at the end of the day and having just their one job description. They are building community with volunteers. They're seeing over 20 to 40 people every single day that are coming in and volunteering for their meal. So they're having to, to you know, wipe windows with them and roll silverware and it's so beautiful, but it can also be extremely stressful because if you have a group of 10 people come in and, and all want to get a meal and volunteer for their meal, it, it can be, again, like I said, this beautiful, chaotic mess. So it's, it's working with um, the bounds of a restaurant and the bounds of a nonprofit and molding those together, which, are, which is really hard to do. But in the end, every single day, it has worked out. Um, my manager has been so gracious and generous and wonderful. And he, in the beginning, we thought or he thought that we were going to be completely dead no one was ever going to come in and in the first three months he was running around like a crazy person all the time you know running orders and taking orders and and assisting volunteers and helping staff and he was like I did not know it would be this hard I did not realize we'd have over 100 150 people coming in our doors every single day and filling this restaurant so in general, it, it, has, it has just been tricky navigating what it's like to, to build this community and, and have it run effectively and smoothly, and, and we're doing it, which is great. These are all healthy numbers. Um, so besides the numbers, what's been the greatest success? Oh, gosh, yeah. It's not even the numbers for me. The greatest success has been seeing all these real and authentic relationships form. We have had a ton of friendships and, and, and small communities that have been built at a place at the table. People have been able to get jobs and, and network with other people. People have, have been able to, to call people who are different than them their friends. People sit at the community table every single day and get to know someone they didn't know before and and people have really felt this sense of community and this sense of belonging like you mentioned earlier at a place at the table we have we have the, we have many of the same people coming back every week uh, because they are longing for that sense of community um, including my staff who also have transformed their lives from working at a place like this it has been it has been such a joy as as the leader of this organization and of this of this restaurant to have hired a staff person that well i guess two joys i hired a staff person that um had never even thought of this idea of community never to them they thought they were making a living wage and working in a coffee shop and they were excited about that now like all they do is talk about how amazing our mission is and how they want to work with us for the next five years. They are totally um, community-driven people now, and they, they see the importance of, of being a place like we are. Um, and then I guess another, another joy in that is 
we were able to hire someone who was volunteering for their meal. And he is a fantastic employee and he's with us about 40 hours a week. So there, there have been just so many success stories that have come out of this. And, and every day, it, it's really hard work because of those challenges I described. But every day I take away one really awesome story where someone, you know, felt like they belonged and someone or someone came to me and said how great their meal was and how they hadn't had a salad in months because food stamps doesn't pay for lettuce. It does, but the lettuce goes bad and they don't have enough food stamps to, to afford that. So, you know, it, it, it's really hard work, but every single day, I think myself and, and my staff included, we, we get to experience such joy in, in being with the people that we have. For those that might be listening to this that lead local congregations or are parts of local congregations, what are the theological implications that a place at the table could teach us? Wow, yeah, good, good question. Um, we, all, we all need to be welcoming our, our neighbor in. We do, and food is a way to do that. I know many, many congregations and faith communities do that. They, they have community meals, they bring people in. Um, but for us, we've really seen food is our tool towards creating community. It's, it is the way Jesus did it every single day of his life. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to break bread with someone and it changes people's lives. We um, have, like I said, we've been able to create this really real and authentic community. And, and I think that's what churches are doing too. I, I think Churches are, are the way and faith communities are, are the living example of, of this sense of community. Um, so for all of us who are part of church world, I think continuing to, to break bread together and, and, and inviting the neighbor and the stranger in, because that's what, we, that's what we're called to do every single day of our lives. And no, you can't go start a pay what you can restaurant. It, it, it's not that easy, nor should, nor should you have to, but um, I think just continuing to to live this out in the way that we can and and invite more and more people in um, because that's where lives change when when we can sit down and and share a meal together. So what's next for place at the table? What is next for a place at the table? The million dollar question right now. I have no clue. We get asked every single day, hey, are you going to franchise? Are you going to go build another a place at the table in Baton Rouge or in, in you know, any city they live in? Someone asks, are you, when is the place at the table coming, to, coming to, the, to our city? And, you know, it would be fantastic, but it took us a long time to build a place at the table because it takes a long time to build authentic community. And for us, it took three years to to bring people together around this idea and not to say it wouldn't happen in shorter amount of time, the next, the next city we may go in one day, but you want it to work and you want it to be sustainable and you want it to be a lifetime um, of relationship. So a community takes time. And so maybe one day we, we start another, a place at the table. We would really like though, first to help other cafes do this we want to share our sustainable model 
and allow other places to, to run with it who have already built communities in their community to run with this and show that you can have a successful restaurant and be welcome to all, like it's like every restaurant should be, but is unable to do. Um, we want to show our model and how it works. But in the meantime, you know, I, I tell my staff, I tell, I tell our board of directors, let's just relish in the fact that it's been nine months and we are successful and we have the neatest and coolest people coming in and out of our doors every single day. And that our mission game and it's, it's real. And so I think to, for us to be able to sit back and enjoy and just soak it all in and just soak those stories in and those relationships in would be an okay thing to do for now. And then, you know, maybe a year from now, we, we figure out that there is another one needed or there are all these cafes that need our help. Um, that, that those might be the next step. So for now, just to enjoy this. If you want to find out more information about a place at the table, you can visit tableraleigh.org. You can also follow them on Twitter at tableraleigh. Maggie, thank you for letting hospitality to be the mechanism of breaking down barriers in this very, very divisive world. Well, thank you. And, and thanks to everyone for, for supporting Place at the Table. Thanks to everyone for listening to this, listening to me ramble. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and, and, be, and being the communities that you have and, and welcoming your neighbor in and, and sitting down and getting to know people because that's what life's about. So you, you should thank yourself too. And, and I know that all, all of the people listening probably do this exact thing every single day. This podcast is brought to you by David Carell of Universal Creative Concepts. At UCC, they specialize in partnering with churches and ministries like yours to provide quality products for your logo and branding. David likes to find the right products that represent and fit your desired need and budget. UCC can logo virtually any product that you might be looking for. Need apparel like t-shirts, jackets, polos, socks for staff, youth groups, conferences, or from any other branding needs? UCC is your one-stop shop. UCC can provide all logoed items that you use for visitors, from pins to drinkware, or tees for VBS. David desires to be your go-to guy for all items logoed. On a personal note, I've been using David at Universal Creative Concepts since 2009, and I hope you will give him the opportunity to serve your promo needs. Whatever you want logoed, David does it. Contact him today at 1-888-GO-TO-GUY or 888-GO-TO-GUY.net. That's 1-888-GO-TO-GUY or 888-GO-TO-GUY.net. Hey, you won't be disappointed. Well, that's our episode. We'll see you next week. Visit cbf.net for more information about the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, stories about our field personnel, chaplains, and church starters, as well as our advocacy work around the world. 